Thank you again for joining us. What a, what a joy it is to gather together and celebrate the resurrection again. The word resurrection, of course, comes, it, it means the coming back to life from the dead. And that's what we are celebrating today is that Jesus did not stay dead. He did not stay in the grave. That is an essential part of what we confess. It is an essential part of what we believe as Christians. John Stott says, Christianity is in its very essence a resurrection religion. The concept of resurrection, it lies at the heart. If you remove it, Christianity is destroyed. If you remove it, Christianity is destroyed. We believe and confess that Jesus Christ was resurrected from the dead. And that changes everything for us. That changes everything for this world. And so the central truth for us to hold on to is, as we're thinking about this is that we serve a living Savior. We serve a living Savior. I'm going to read today. We're going to be looking at Luke 24. We've been using Luke's gospel since our, our Christmas sermon series. And we're going to continue in that. But just jumping ahead to the resurrection passage from Luke 24. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me there. We're going to look at verses 1 through 12 today. I'm going to read them and pray over us as we always do. Luke 24, starting in verse 1. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came to the tomb, bringing the spices that they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. They went in, but did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men stood by them in dazzling clothes. So the women were terrified and bowed down to the ground. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Asked the men. He's not here, but he has risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, It is necessary that the Son of Man be betrayed into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and rise on the third day. And they remembered his words. Returning from the tomb, they reported all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them were telling the apostles these things. But these words seemed like nonsense to them. And they did not believe the women. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb when he stooped to look in, he saw only the linen cloths. So he went away amazed at what had happened. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and we confess it is true. We thank you for the hope that we see in this message today. The hope of life after death that's been secured because of what Jesus accomplished. I pray that as we look at your text today, as we look at your word, that we will be amazed again 
and that our lives will be changed. I pray that anyone who has not believed in this message of a resurrected Savior would hear the good news of the gospel today and believe. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. So as we consider the reality of a resurrected Savior, I want us to just kind of look at four truths that we can see from this text here in these 12 verses. The first is this, the resurrection of Jesus is real. The resurrection of Jesus is real. Let's look back at those first five verses from Luke 24. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came to the tomb, bringing spices they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. They went in but did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men stood by them in dazzling clothes. So the women were terrified and bowed down to the ground. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? Asked the men. On Friday, the day we celebrate as Good Friday, we looked at the text of the crucifixion of Jesus. Uh, Jesus being put to death in the cruelest of ways through the Roman crucifixion, being nailed to a cross and being buried in a grave and a stone being rolled over the entrance to that grave. With the Sabbath day coming and him being buried near the end of the day on Friday, there was not enough time to do a full preparation for the body, the full burial preparation that would have taken place. And so earlier in Luke, in chapter 23, as we get to the end of that uh, chapter, it says that women saw, they followed along when Joseph of Arimathea was taking the body and they followed to watch where his body was laid because they wanted to be able to come back and give Jesus the proper burial preparation. And so when they find where his body is going to be laying, it says that they go home and they prepare spices and perfumes and then they follow the commandment concerning the Sabbath, which is they rested on the Sabbath. But as soon as they were able, as soon as Sabbath was over, early in the morning, these women went out to the grave. They went to the tomb and they were prepared to give that final preparation for burial. The purpose of the spices and the perfumes, of course, just is to mask the smell of decomposition because he really did die on that Friday. And so they would put spices and perfumes around the body and on the body. It was one final way for them to honor the man that they had followed, the man that they had served, the man that they had loved, the man that they believed was the Son of God, the man that they believed was the promised Messiah. This was their final act to honor him. Think about the sorrow these women must have felt knowing that they were going to see the one that they expected was the Savior dead, 
lying in a stone tomb. Heartbreak, hopelessness as they walked towards the grave. But they're in for a tremendous surprise. The stone has been rolled back. And they go to the grave and they go inside and Jesus' body is not there. His body is gone. And so verse 4 and 5, it says they are puzzled. They're perplexed. They don't understand what has taken place. Why is the stone rolled back? In one of the other gospel accounts, the women actually asked the question, who's going to roll the stone back for us? Because they didn't know. I didn't know that an angel had already done that. They didn't know that the body was no longer there because he had come back to life. And so the women are perplexed when they get there and this massive stone that was covering the grave has been rolled back and the body is nowhere to be found. Verse 4 says that as they are perplexed, as they are puzzled, wondering what in the world is going on, two men suddenly are standing by them immediately, out of nowhere. Two men in dazzling clothes are standing by them. Later on in the chapter we learn that the women's report is, they, they understood these were angels, these were messengers from God. And that's why their response was to bow down in terror. And the question that the angels asked provides an answer to what's going on in their hearts and minds of being perplexed about what in the world has taken place. Because the question is, why are you looking for the living among the dead? You're in the wrong place. You don't come to a grave for someone who, has, for someone who is alive. Luke goes on throughout this chapter to explain and to tell stories of the resurrected Jesus. So it's not just that these dazzling, these men in dazzling clothes told them that he is gone because there are going to be more people who are going to come and see the empty tomb. But then from there, there's going to be people that are actually going to see the risen Christ. They're going to touch their Savior They're going to talk with Him. They're going to learn from Him. They're going to watch Him have meals. They're going to watch Him walk through walls. They're going to see the resurrected Christ. He really did come back to life. And so Luke is using this just as an introductory to the story of He really is alive. Jesus did not stay dead and there's all kinds of evidence that He came back. Remember Luke from the beginning. That was His goal was to investigate and provide as much evidence as He could to say, This Jesus that you've heard of. He really is the Son of God. He really is the living Savior. And so this is the introduction to the resurrection. And if you want to read the rest of the resurrection accounts, you can uh, find them in the remainder of Luke and the end of all of the Gospel stories. Jesus did not stay dead. That Easter morning, after His crucifixion, 
his heart really did start beating again. His lungs filled with air again. And an angel rolled back the stone and Christ was not there because he is living. And that changes everything, people. It really does. It proves that he really is God's son. It proves that the sacrifice that was made on our behalf because of our sins has been accepted. The resurrection of Jesus is real. The second point is this. The resurrection of Jesus was part of God's plan. The resurrection of Jesus was part of God's plan. Let's look at verses 6 through 8. He is not here, but he has risen Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, It is necessary that the Son of Man be betrayed into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and rise on the third day. And they remembered his words. The original language when the angel says he... uh, He is risen in our text. The original language actually says he has been raised, which gives the the implication of God raised him up. God did not let him stay dead in the tomb. It was part of God's plan. All of it was part of God's plan. Not just the resurrection, the betrayal, the crucifixion, his death, His burial and His resurrection was all part of God's plan. He had planned from the beginning to send a rescuer. He had planned to send one who was going to right the wrongs and make a way for His people to be forgiven of their sins. And the angel says, don't you remember? Jesus told you. Jesus told you all of this stuff was going to happen. And immediately, as he recites these words that Jesus had actually spoken on several occasions, Luke records in multiple places these same words, that this is what's going to happen to me. I'm going to be betrayed, I'm going to be crucified, and I'm going to die, but I'm going to rise again on the third day. Jesus told them throughout his ministry on many occasions what was going to take place. It wasn't a surprise to any of them. And as soon as the angel tells them, says they remember the words, that's right. He told us that this was going to happen. He told us exactly what was going to take place. This was all part of God's plan. It was a fulfillment of the promises that he had been making from the beginning. We've looked at this before, but the first promise that we see after Adam and Eve sin, before they are out of, kicked out of the garden, as God is placing a curse on the serpent, he promises a Savior. He promises one that's going to set things right Genesis 3:15 speaking to the serpent or to Satan I will put hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring he will strike your head and you will strike his heel From the beginning 
God had a plan to send a rescuer that was going to put an end to sin, death, and Satan. And this was all just part of God's plan. None of this was out of His control. It was actually what He was planning to do to rescue sinners like you and me. The third point I want us to see is this. The resurrection of Jesus seems unbelievable. The resurrection of Jesus seems unbelievable. Verses 9 through 11, back in Luke 24. Returning from the tomb, they reported all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women that were with them were telling the apostles these things. But these words seemed like nonsense to them, and they did not believe the women. So the women go back, and they tell the news that they've heard. We went in. His body wasn't there. But then two angels stood beside us and they said, He's not dead anymore. He's come back to life. And they reminded us that Jesus told us that this is exactly what was going to happen. They had to tell the others. Warren Wearsby says that the Easter mandate for the church is come and see and go and tell. And that's exactly what these women do. They come to the grave. They aren't preparing to see that Jesus is no longer there. They think they're going to prepare His body. But as soon as they realize He really has come back to life, they go and tell the others what has taken place. The women here that are listed in verse 10, they're women that were listed earlier in Luke. These were faithful women. These were women that had followed Jesus, that had supported Jesus' ministry. They were faithful women. And God has revealed to them from His messengers, Jesus isn't dead. And the women are telling everyone, but the disciples can't believe it. They can't believe it. It seems unbelievable. It really does. And it, it should seem unbelievable uh, Because this isn't normal, right? We know this. When someone dies, there's finality in that. And so the message of someone coming back to life on the third day after they've died doesn't seem like it's something you should believe. And even the disciples struggled with this. It's not easily accepted. And the text says that they they viewed it as nonsense. Like, what are you talking about? This can't be true. There's no way that he really came back. So, if it seems unbelievable to you, the idea of someone dying and coming back to life Know that you're not alone in that. It is an unbelievable message other than the fact that it actually did happen. Even his own followers struggled with this. 
But we really do have a wonder-working God. We really do have an all-powerful God. Jesus' ministry was full of miracle after miracle, demonstrating His power. And they, all of those miracles were pointing to an even bigger miracle that was to come, which was going to be resurrection from the dead. Our all-powerful, wonder-working God actually raised Jesus Christ up from the dead. And even though that may seem hard to believe, it truly happened. And we believe it. We confess it is true here at Dogwood. So consider that possibility. If you've never heard that, or if you've heard it and you've thought, I don't know if that could have really taken place. I don't believe that. Consider this. What if... He really did come back to life. What if He really did get up out of the grave? That changes everything. Our God can do the impossible, and He does the impossible. The fourth truth that I want us to see here, the resurrection of Jesus gives us hope. The resurrection of Jesus gives us hope. Verse 12, back in Luke 24. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. When he stooped to look in, he saw only the linen cloths. So he went away amazed at what had happened. So they told all of the eleven disciples... Right? There were 12 and then minus uh, Judas. They told the 11 remaining apostles, He's come back to life. The angels were sent by God to tell us that He's not dead anymore. He's alive. And they reminded us that Jesus told us it was going to happen. And they're all struggling. They're all wrestling. But Peter finally has the seeds of hope start to to burst forth. Maybe it's true. Maybe it really did happen. Maybe Jesus really did come back to life. He did tell us. I wonder if Peter, as he's wrestling with this idea, thought about what Jesus had told him on the night before the crucifixion. That you're going to... Betray me. You'll betray me three times before the the rooster crows. Luke's Gospel records that when the rooster crowed at the third denial, Jesus looked over at Peter while he was on trial. And I wonder if that crossed Peter's mind with this hope of... Maybe that's not the last look I'm going to get at Jesus. Maybe He really did come back to life and Peter stands up and runs. He runs to the tomb. He has hope building in him. Maybe He's alive. And He looks in the grave and Jesus' body wasn't there. And it says He went away amazed. He was shocked. He was stunned. And he's still going to wrestle a little bit, wondering what all this means. 
He doesn't know everything yet, but that hope is just going to grow and grow, and he's actually going to see the Lord. He's going to be with Jesus again in the flesh there in just a couple of days. He's going to touch him. He's going to have a meal with him. He's going to be restored by him. And the hope starts there at the message that this man came back to life. He really is the Son of God. He really did come to conquer sin, death, and Satan, and he's won. And the message of the resurrection is a message of hope for every one of us if we would believe in Jesus. It's the only hope that we have, but it's really the only hope that we need. Paul argues this in Corinthians. All of 1 Corinthians 15 is a... Is a chapter on the resurrection and what it means for people. And so 1 Corinthians 15, starting in verse 16, we see this. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless and you are still in your sins. Those then who have fallen asleep in Christ have also perished. If we have put our hope in Christ for this life only, we should be pitied more than anyone else. Paul makes the argument that if, if Jesus didn't actually come back to life, there's no hope for us. There is absolutely no hope. Your sins aren't forgiven if Jesus didn't come back to life. God didn't accept the sacrifice if Jesus didn't come back to life. And he says we should be pitied above everyone in this world if we have put our faith in a Savior that's dead. I can still hear Dr. Kreider's words from one of my theology classes at DTS as we talked about this passage. And that was, a dead Savior is no Savior at all. A dead Savior is no Savior at all. But Jesus didn't stay dead. He came back to life. And in 1 Corinthians, Paul goes on in verse 20. But as it is, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. For just as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. Since Jesus came back to life, since he didn't stay in the tomb, since his heart started beating again, and he got up and walked out of the grave, it gives us the hope and the promise of life. Even if we die in the flesh, we have the promise and hope of resurrection life also. Those of us who have put our faith in Christ. Scripture is clear that without Jesus, we face eternal separation from God. Eternal life in torment separated from God in hell. But if we've come to faith in God if we've believed in Him, we have 
the forgiveness of sins. And we have the promise of eternal life. And we can know that we will have eternal life because Jesus came back to life. This life is not all there is for us. And so the message of a resurrected Savior, one who died for us in our sins, and the one who has risen again and offers life to us, is a message of hope. If you still wrestle with the idea of a dead man coming back to life, if you still wrestle with thinking, I just don't know if I can believe that that is true. I don't know about this message of Jesus being the Son of God and the Savior of the world. I hope that you'll consider this. He really did die for our sins and God really did raise Him up on that Sunday morning. And so if you want to know more about the hope of the Gospel, if you want to know more about putting your faith in Christ to receive the hope that is available to you, I would love to be able to talk to you about that. You can fill out one of the little yellow cards on the front of the seats and just say, I would like to schedule a time to meet with the pastor and I'd love to be able to talk to you more about the hope that we have because of our resurrected Savior. Church, our Savior lives. Amen? Our Savior lives. Lives, he didn't stay dead. And Luke records all of these details so that we will believe with certainty that Jesus really is the Son of God and Jesus really is the Savior of the world. And so his resurrection gives us hope. Let's be amazed at our Savior. Let's be amazed at the power of God. And let's be amazed at the hope that we have because of him. And let's tell others this good news that may seem unbelievable, but really did take place. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word and the truth of it. I pray that we will be amazed again by our Savior. As we continue to uh, prepare in remembering him through communion, I pray that our hearts will be Uh, set right and reminded of your love for us. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So we are going to take communion together now. It's fitting on on the week where we celebrated with uh, the, celebrated our Good Friday service and then have now celebrated the resurrection of our Savior. It's important for us to remember the life that we have because of Jesus. And so if you did not pick up the elements, we invite everyone who has put their faith in Christ for salvation to join us in this remembrance. There's a few more at the back table. So if you didn't pick these up, you can pick them up now. We do ask that if you have not trusted in Christ for salvation, for you not to take this remembrance that was given to the church of remembering what Jesus has done for us, And that instead you'd spend some time just thinking about the message that you've heard about a Savior who died for you for the forgiveness of your sins and the the hope that you could have because of that if it's true.
to all who have believed in Him. The elements of bread and juice are tangible reminders of His body, of His blood that was shed for us. And so as we take these reminders of the life that we have in Him, it's important that we remember that it's, it's because He died in our place that we have life. It's because that He died in our place that we have the, the forgiveness of our sins. I'm going to ask Kathy to play for us for just a couple of minutes. It is good for us to just ponder and remind ourselves and confess again that it is because of our sins that Jesus had to die. And so Kathy's going to play for just a couple of minutes and then we'll take the elements together. But for now, as she plays, quietly pray and just confess again, God, I, I know that I'm a sinner and, and Jesus had to die because of my sin. And thank God that, that He has given you forgiveness through Jesus Christ. So let's pray and then we will take these in just a moment. reading from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 26. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, He instituted the Lord's Supper, the communion time for the church to remember what He endured for us. We see these words recorded. Matthew 26, starting in verse 26, As they were eating, Jesus took bread, blessed and broke it, gave it to the disciples and said, Take and eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he gave it to them and said, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. So taking your bread. This is the body of Christ given for you. And taking your cup, this is the blood of Christ shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins.
I'm going to pray for us as the, the band and worship team comes back up uh, to lead us in a final song of worship. God, thank you for this reminder. Thank you for the reminder from your word. Thank you for the reminder that we get through these elements of, you, of the body of Jesus that was given for us and the blood of Jesus that was shed for us for the forgiveness of our sins. Let us live in hope, God. Build hope in our hearts because of what has been done. Thank you for, uh, for what you have done for us. Jesus, thank you for what you have endured for us. Shape us, Holy Spirit, more into the image of Jesus and send us out with this good news for others. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.